if you are here for the first time, this is The Read and Rant. What we commit to do every morning is to spend 20, 20 to 30 minutes reading the word, and then we spend another 20 to 30 minutes reflecting on the scripture. This is a moment of refreshing for us. It's a moment of receiving. It's a moment where we dig into God's word to hear what God has to say to us. This isn't a Bible study. We reserve that on Sunday nights, which by the way, if you were here last night, you missed it. And if you missed it, don't worry, you can catch it on Patreon. Um, it's available to you on Patreon, patreon.com slash Isaac Frere, as we just recapped through our uh, teaching up to this point on the book of Ephesians. But what we do in the morning isn't a Bible study. This is actually a meditation. It's a time where we just simply read through the scripture and we reflect on the scripture. And really what this was, was instigated by just my desire to see people read through the entire Bible. I have so many folks who um, who have told me, hey, you know, I've been a believer for 10 years, 15 years or however long they've been a believer for. But I've never actually read through the entire Bible. And so there's something powerful about reading through the entire scripture, because then you begin to see the entire narrative. And then you and then you're also able to look at different verses in the Bible, different texts in the Bible and able to piece it all together within the context of the totality of the text. And a lot of folks haven't done that. So they have all these little pieces every and it just never really fully connects. And part of the reason why it doesn't fully connect is because you haven't read through the whole thing. I also find it interesting, even for people who, who are here, and I know I've got agnostics here, I've got atheists here, I've got Buddhists here. I'm glad you're here. Love that you're here. Um, one of the things I think that's really refreshing, even for those who aren't believers, is is that, well, they also have certain opinions that they have formed. I know a lot of people here have opinions that you formed about Christianity, about God, about all these things. And yet you form those opinions based off of uh, minimal information or misinformation. Um, there are those of you who form those opinions about Christianity based off of the little, you know, the few little things that you see or uh, the things that you see about the quote unquote church, not realizing that that isn't necessarily what is founded on scripture. So we want to commit and devote our time to actually what the Bible says. And then from there, we can establish our own opinions, right, about where the scripture or where we are with the scriptures. But before you establish your opinion on the Bible, actually read it, like read it in its totality, read it all the way through. And that's one of the things I encourage you to do. If you see my head swiveling around, bouncing around, it's because I got a whole bunch of other, um, you know, you guys are live on all these other platforms. And so um, I'm just glad that we're here. I'm glad that we're engaging together. I'm glad that we're participating together in the reading of the word. And I look forward to journey with you as we read through the text. So with that being said, let's go ahead. And if you have been here, you know that we've just kicked, we just kicked off the book of Matthew. So we're reading through the entire New Testament. And some of you have already done this. And now you're journeying with me through the entire New Testament again. And what we do is just for 20 or 30 minutes to spend time in the reading of the word. So this is what I'm going to ask for those of you who are believers, for those of you who are, um, who, who are people who of faith, Right. And you're just journeying through this. And this might be actually a new thing for you. Like you might your your whole perspective might change even in our time together. I've had so many folks who say, man, now I, I'm seeing all of this differently because, man, I just never thought of it this way. I never saw it this way. I just never read through the whole thing. And so now. You know, I'm, 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 I'm seeing Jesus differently. I'm seeing my faith differently. And I, and I hope that happens for you as well. And I've seen that and I've seen how transformative, how profoundly transformative that is, um, for folks. And so this is what I ask for you to do. I ask that you simply pray these three things. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? God, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? Those are the three things that I'm asking is that you just commit to asking those three questions as you spend time in the reading of the word today. With that being said, let's get right into it. We're going to pray and then we're going to get going. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege that you've given us, Lord, to come together to read your word. Father, I pray that you would bless this time, bless this moment, Lord God. I ask so that you would, um, that your spirit would engage and Lord, reveal to us the truth of who you are. Reveal your heart, reveal your will. Um, to your people. Lord, as we read your word, Father, we submit ourselves to you and we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's do it, y'all. We are in Matthew chapter 11 
And this is what it says, starting with verse one. It says this. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see the blind see and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind. But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments. Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send a messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not one, sorry, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I like in this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their companions and saying, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did not lament. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a wine bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by her children. A lot there, y'all. Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Shirazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works were done in you, sorry, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable, tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable in the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son will reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find for your souls, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. At that time, Jesus, chapter 12, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry 
he and those who were with him, how he entered into the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Hmm. Yet I say to you that in this place, there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would have condemned the guiltless for the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath, Lord of the Sabbath. Verse nine. Now, when he had departed from there, he went into their synagogues and behold, there was a man who had a withered hand and he asked him saying, is it lawful to heal? on the Sabbath that they might accuse him. Then he said to him, then he said to them, what man is there among you who has one sheep? And if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out of how much more value then is a man than a sheep. Therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and it was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him that they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he was sorry. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there. A great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. Yet he warned them not to make him known that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet, behold, my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him and I will declare justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, a smoking flax he will not quench till he sends forth justice to victory in the name, in his name, Gentiles will trust. In his name, Gentiles will trust. Then one brought to him who was demon possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him. So that the blind and the mute man both spoke and saw, and all the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? Now, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? <laughs> and if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. <laughs> How can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? And then he will plunder his house. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Therefore, I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the son of man, it will not be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him either in this age nor in the age to come. Verse 33, either make the tree good and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. Hmm. 
and an evil man out of evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that every idle word men may speak, they will give account for it in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. <laughs> then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish. So will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this, with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. Greater than. Hmm. Verse 43. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So it shall be with this wicked generation. While he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside seeking to speak with him. Then one said, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and mother. Some tough stuff here. Tough stuff. Chapter 13. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And the great multitude were gathered together to him so that he got into the boat and sat and the whole multiple multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Hmm. But to them... It has not been given for whoever has to him more will be given and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. The ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, 
and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and do not see it, and to hear what you hear and do not hear it. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. Whoever hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed in stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when the tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives a seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and cares of this world and the deceitfulness of the riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. Another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept and his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Verse 26, when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servant of the owner came and said to him, sir, did you not sow good seed on your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to them, do you want us then to go and gather them up? And he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you uproot the wheat with them. So let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first, gather together the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them but gathered the wheat into my barn. Another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is at least of, is the least, sorry, of all the seeds. But when it has grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Another parable he spoke to them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven which the woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Hmm. Verse 34, all these things Jesus spoke to the multitudes in parables and without a parable, he did not speak to them that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, I will open my mouth in parables I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Goodness gracious. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The son of men will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all the things that offend and those who practice lawlessness, and I will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, and the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and the joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he has found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. 
again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some, uh, some of every kind, which it was full, sorry, which when it was full, they drew to the shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away. So it was at the end of age, the angels will come forth and separate the wicked from the just and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said to them, have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he said to them, therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out his treasure, things new and old. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. And when he had come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were as sorry, so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom in these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother, Mary, his brother, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own. Sorry. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and in his own house. Now, he did not do mighty works there because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief. We're going to stop right there. Um, and I just want to, uh, share just a few thoughts with you all as we, um, close out, uh, as we close out our morning, uh, time in reading, we're here every morning, y'all No, Well, we're here every morning on Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. We do the read and rant. We start at seven thirty AM and then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're on um, we're on Discord, discord.gg slash Opus Freer, where we just spend time in prayer. So tomorrow morning we'll be, we'll spend a few moments in prayer before we start our day off. And then, of course, on Sunday nights, we're on Discord with our Bible study um, where we spend time and and we actually dig into Scripture. Because what we're doing here isn't a Bible study. It's just a Bible reading. If you read this, of course, the temptation here is to break down all of this because there is so much that Jesus said here. And all I really can do is just give you an overview just give you just some thoughts and some things that I'm, I'm navigating through this morning as I'm reading his word. Um, I can't count the number of times that I've read through the book of Matthew. And yet every time I read this, especially this portion of the book of Matthew, something stirs up in me, something you know, you know, bruised up in me because I'm reading this and I'm going, man, Jesus is snapping. Jesus is snapping. Jesus is snapping on some folks. Jesus is snapping on everybody. And yet the very people that Jesus was called to, those are the very people that Jesus is snapping on. <laughs> he was called to Israel and yet he was doing a work in Israel's heart. One of the things that I think it's important for us to pay very, very close attention to is how Jesus, or sorry, how Matthew is exposing one of the ministerial priorities of Jesus in his time and his life on earth. If you'll notice, this word iterates over and over and over again in the book of Matthew, and that word is fulfillment that it might be fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled. And I think it's important because if you don't understand that Jesus is the fulfillment of Israel's story, then you miss out on the entire, uh, the entire narrative and power of the gospel, that what Jesus is doing here is he's living out, fulfilling what Israel could not fulfill, what Israel could not do. The very covenant and the promise that Israel had with Abraham, Jesus is actually fulfilling that. 
Jesus is actually completing it. He's bringing it into fulfillment, into completion. And so all that is being prophesied now, Jesus is bringing them to light to understand that everything that was prophesied was actually concerning me. And I think this is the part that we miss because when we read often um, the Old Testament and we read Israel's story, we're reading Israel's story unto Israel, but not realizing that the whole purpose of the law, the whole purpose of this entire story and this entire narrative is to bring to light what Jesus is doing, what Jesus has done. At the center of all of this is Jesus. And so Matthew, of course, um, this collection of teachings and all this that we see here is actually articulated in this way so that Israel can see the fulfillment of Israel's story through the life of Jesus Christ. What Israel could not do, Jesus did. What Israel did not do, Jesus did. And what Israel was aspiring to see transpired, Jesus did. Jesus did it all. Jesus accomplished it all. And so the law itself was not unto righteousness. The law itself was a working of Christ. The law itself was actually the work of Jesus. This is why you cannot read the Old Testament and you cannot read these laws and revert to believing that these laws were for you to follow. Because if you see it that way, then you've imposed a duty upon yourself that you can't bear because if Israel could not bear it, this is what Peter called, um, this is what Peter articulates in, in Acts chapter uh, 15, is that if Israel could not bear it, then we cannot bear it. This is why we see so much pain and brokenness in the church. We see so much pain and brokenness in the church because of our legalistic perspective of the Bible, because of our legalistic perspective of the story of Israel. We read the story of Israel and we immediately impose ourselves into Israel's story as if this is something we ought to do, not realizing this is a work that Jesus is doing. This is why when the scriptures say that the word became flesh, this word, this law, the righteousness of God, all of this became flesh. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. Israel has been waiting for the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. And yet here, Jesus is saying, I am the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. The laws weren't rules for you to follow unto righteousness. The law actually exposes your unrighteousness and your dependence on a savior. This is what's missed. So we teach this over and over and we show people and we give them morality. We give them Christian morality, but we don't give people the gospel. We give people a bunch of rules that they need to follow but we don't give them the gospel. We tell them the things that they ought to do, but we don't give them the gospel. We say WWJD, but we never speak on what Jesus has done because what Jesus would do often we cannot. And yet Jesus did it all so that we can find freedom in him. This is the accomplishment of Christ. This is the fulfillment of Christ. And yet we miss it because we're too busy teaching people Christian morality rather than to submit people to the Lordship and authority of Christ. You understand that there are so many different views of the gospel and many of them are centered and rooted around legalism. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is you've got folks who on one side of the spectrum are gonna say, look at all these rules in the Bible. You need to follow these rules. Look at all these rules in the Bible. 
You need to actually do these things in order for God to love you, to receive you, to accept you. And then on the other side of it, you've got folks who say, well, Jesus died. And because of his grace and his mercy towards me, I don't need to follow the rules. I can just do whatever I want to do and live my life and do things my way. You understand you're both wrong because you're both centering it around a law that was never meant for you. This is the problem with some of, with a lot of our gospel expressions today is they're both centered and rooted around legalism. One says, just live however way you want. That's another form of legalism. And one says you have to follow everything in it. That's another form of legalism. This is the problem. And then we don't get why we're not seeing this life in abundance that God has for us because we're, we're both looking at the wrong thing. You're looking at the law as if it is something that you ought to do rather than to look at the law as the exposing the exposition of the glory of Christ. When you begin to see Jesus exposed through the law, then you begin to see how you are transformed to a new identity in him becoming the law, but not the law that we see in Israel, but the law of the spirit. That's why Paul says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit. And what is the law of the spirit? The law of the spirit is life in Christ. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. So the other law is the law of sin. That's why Paul says that the strength of sin is the law. Why am I bringing all this up? Why am I, why am I talking about all this? Why does all this matter? I feel like I'm going into a Bible study. I, I, I kind of had to say all this because I got to get to my point. I got to get to my point here because there's so much to unpack here. But if there's one general thought that we have to see today as we're reading through the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus on earth is to see how this is the fulfillment of the law. This is what it looks like for the law to be fulfilled this is what it looks like for the kingdom of heaven to meet us on earth. The kingdom of heaven is not one that provides a law for us to follow, but the kingdom of heaven is one that transforms hearts, that brings healing and restoration to the world. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. People, and this is why people limit grace because people say, well, grace is, you know, the God, God has forgiven me of my sins. Yes, you've been forgiven of your sins, but God has much more planned for you than the forgiveness of your sins. Like God wants more for you than just forgiving you of your sins. And please do not confuse your sins as breaking some kind of law. And please do not believe that living a Christian, a morally Christian life is living the life in fulfillment that God has for you. It is a life in submission to Christ. And for many of us, we still follow the idolatry of me, myself, and I. Me, myself, and I. Be it legalism, follow everything in this in the Old Testament, or be it hyper grace, I can just do what I want to do because Jesus has paid the price for my sins. Both are wrong. Both are off. And so what, what Matthew does is Matthew is helping us see now how Jesus fulfills this law. Matthew is helping us see what it looks like for the kingdom of God to invade what, what, what this looks like now is what does it look like for the kingdom of God to actually invade? What does it look like for the kingdom of heaven to invade the city? What does it look like for the kingdom of heaven to invade the country? What does it look like for the kingdom of God to invade your home, your community, 
your city. What does that look like? Jesus is telling you what it looks like because we see that through the life of Jesus as he fulfills the law. And so we read here instances in the Bible where Jesus is, quote unquote, breaking the law. Jesus can't break the law if he's the fulfillment of the law. <laughs> breaking the law. Jesus can't break the law if he's if he is the fulfillment of the law. But it seems that he's breaking the law because here he is. Here are his disciples working on the Sabbath. Unless the law isn't what you thought it was. Unless the law wasn't rules that you follow unto righteousness. And so this isn't the first time that Jesus says it, but Jesus begins to speak about the purpose of the law. And he says that I desire, this is quoting uh, Hosea chapter six, verse six. He says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Jesus did not want your compliance. He doesn't want to know how well you follow the law this week. How well you follow the Bible's rules this week. Jesus is not sitting around keeping track of how good of a person you were today or how good of a person you were this week. He's saying, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. What he wants and the purpose of the law was for mercy. And so he gives an example of when the law was broken, of one who they celebrated in the scriptures. Thank you, Miri. Want to make sure I had the right reference. And Jesus is saying, hold up. You're over here saying that we can't pluck heads and find ourselves a meal on Sabbath. But don't you see we're hungry? Ooh, it's about to get tight. Don't you see we're hungry? And so they're sitting there going, hold on. You can't, you can't go and get a meal on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a day of rest. And just like since when was the law meant to oppress? Wait, you, you, you missed the whole purpose of the law. Since when, since when was the law designed to prohibit human flourishing? What? what? He said, so Jesus says to them, hold up, hold up. Did you forget when David went into the temple and took the showbread and ate the holy bread, breaking the law? He goes into the into the temple and eats the forbidden bread that only the priest could eat. And he gave it to all his soldiers because they were in battle. Why was it permitted for him to do that? Because he was in battle. His soldiers were tired and they were hungry. And all that was left was the bread in the temple. The law was not meant to keep food away from David. The law was meant to make sure that the priests remain fed. But you miss the point because you're so busy looking at the law as a set of rules to follow that you missed that the purpose of the law was for mercy and not sacrifice. It was actually meant to reveal the goodness of God. So you celebrate David when he fed the soldiers, but now I've got brothers who are with me that are hungry. Isn't it funny how in the church today, we will look at laws and rather than reaching people who need to be reached, who are broken, who are hurting, you know what we do? We go, oh my gosh, I got to check to see if this is morally or legally, or let's make sure that this is okay in the scriptures before we go to do it. Not realizing that the precedence of God's heart 
is to care for his people. He desires mercy and not sacrifice. And he's like, y'all don't even get it. Y'all don't even know what it means because if you knew what it meant, you wouldn't have been all tied up and all crazy about the fact that, oh my gosh, Jesus, you're, you're breaking the Sabbath. You're breaking the Sabbath law. You missed it. You missed the purpose of the law. Jesus will break your church's rules to get to people that are lost. As much as we talk about all the things that we ought to do and what's biblically correct and what's in the law and what must be followed in the law, a lot of the rules that we have placed in our churches, a lot of the rules and the moralities that we formed in our churches based off of column biblical principles, Jesus would break a lot of those to reach people who are lost. Funny thing is, on what side would we be? Would it be on the side of the people who are compliant to the law or people who are reaching those who are broken? Unfortunately, there's a lot of churches who care more about the rules than they do about broken, hurting people. So if I'm going to do ministry, I'd rather offend the Pharisee than to leave the broken. I'd rather offend the legalistic church folk because I will do what Jesus would have done. There are places Jesus would go today that the church would be like, oh my gosh, what is he doing there? There are places where Jesus would go. Let me say this one more time. There are places Jesus would go to reach people who are far from God that today the church wouldn't dare go to. There are places, arenas, spheres that Jesus would go that we would say a good Christian person should never be there. And yet this is who Jesus is. He will go to the darkest places. He will go to the ugliest places. He will go to the places that even the snooty, snobby, holier than thou Christians would never go to because Jesus didn't come to save folks who feel like they got it all together for themselves. Jesus coming for folk who are broken and know that they need a savior. Tell you right now, there's some folks right now who can testify of this. Jesus came and met me in a place the church probably never would have came. There's some folks that can say, I had an encounter with God in a place that the church would have never showed up to. Actually, I had a God conversation with a person in a place that I can't even share with most people. Can you think about the God moments that you had in places that may not look real polished and, and, and real nice and real buttoned up and real churchy and real clean? And yet this is who Jesus is. Jesus enters into the dark places. He goes to the places where all the clean, holier than thou think they're better than everybody people would never go to because this is who Jesus is. And so Jesus is over here eating a meal on the Sabbath. Why? Because my disciples are hungry. Since when do we lose practicality and pragmatism? Since when do we become so theological that we stop being practical? Since when did we become so biblically centered that we lost living out the gospel? Since when did we become so heavenly minded that we became no earthly good? So theological without any practicality. Since when do we not simply look and see what the needs are for the people who are around us? This is why a lot of folks can see that the church is irrelevant because they look and they go, y'all not even in touch with the needs of your city. Why? Because you're so fixed here that you don't even look around to see the needs that are around you. The world needs a church who will look around. The world needs a church who will dare to do the things that church folk will say. Mm, I don't know. The world actually needs that. 
and there is something wrong. We've got beautiful buildings and beautiful churches and all this beautiful stuff. And, and then we look around and everybody's going, bro, do you even know what's going on? Like, do you even know what's going on around you? Do you even know what's happening in your city? And this is just a word for the church. And I'm not talking about the institution. I'm simply talking about the church. Are we really living out the fulfillment of the law? Are we really living out Christ who desires mercy and not sacrifice? Are we so focused on rules that we miss out on reaching those who are in need? This is why Jesus then heals the man on the Sabbath with the withered hand. But Jesus, you're breaking the law. No, I'm fulfilling the law. <laughs> Wait, Jesus, you're breaking the law. No, I'm not breaking the law. I'm actually fulfilling it. Whew. And then, of course, if you're legalistic, because, you know, legalistic Christians are some of the most <clears throat> hypocritical because if you're legalistic, you better follow the rules. But there are exceptions. We'll just make those exception, exceptions, and then we'll choose which exceptions you follow. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, um, I know there are folks who go to churches that say you gotta, you gotta wear, you gotta wear a dress, and your head's gotta be covered. Okay, so my head's gotta be covered, and I gotta wear a dress. All right. Um, but you know, if you gotta go to work, there is an exception there. Give me Bible for that. <laughs> wait, 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 but you, you can't do this and you can't do that. You can't, but there are exceptions though. And here are the exceptions. Well, what them, what did, what that, where they come from? Well, where those exceptions come from? Here's the thing. Legalistic people are hypocrites because they come up with their own exceptions for what work out, what work for them. That's what he was saying there. He's like, hold on a second. You're over here talking about these Sabbath rules, but hold on a second. If you had a sheep that fell into a ditch, you would pull that sheep out, breaking the rule. Why? Because the sheep is valuable to you. Missing it. You're missing the point, guys. That's literally what Jesus is saying. Oh, you take out the sheep, but how much more valuable is this man than those sheep? How much more valuable is his soul than those sheep? Since when did we care about the rules more than the soul? Usa. And we wonder why the church ain't reaching no one. We love to reach people who are like us, who speak like us, talk like us, dress like us, walk like us, believe in what we believe in, look like us, all of it. We love that. But for a person who doesn't, oh, no, 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 you, it won't work here. Because all of a sudden, your Christianity is not really aligned and rooted in Christ. Your Christianity is rooted in your political view or it's rooted in your culture, or it's rooted in your race, or it's rooted in what makes you comfortable. And so what you do is, is you create a cult. You create a group of people who just agree and believe in their own thoughts. And so now you've got actually not a Christocentric church, you've got an egocentric church, an ethnocentric church. And people on the outside see it. They see right through that because they realize you actually care about yourself more than you actually care about Jesus and you care about his people. You know Jesus is at work when there are people who don't agree and yet what the one thing that unifies them is their faith in Jesus Christ. And so of course Jesus is doing all this work and they go and say, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, Jesus. Hold up. I'm almost out of time. Jesus, goodness gracious. When did this happen? Hold up, Jesus. Nah, this ain't, this ain't, this is not, this is not coming from God. This is, this must be coming from the devil himself. And of course, Jesus is like, bro, you're, you're so angry at the impact of my ministry 
then now you're just saying stuff that don't make sense. So you're telling me that I'm using the devil's power to defeat the devil. Ah. And so, of course, what we just read through in chapter 12, sorry, not chapter 12, but in chapter 13, we read a series of parables about the kingdom of God. And we read these parables and Jesus is explaining the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has arrived. Jesus is ushering in the kingdom of God. And, and so Jesus is telling this is what the kingdom of God looks like. It looks like people being healed. It looks like people being restored. It looks like, it looks like the parable of the sower. It looks like the parable of the wheat and tares. It looks like the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the leaven. And so he's saying all these things and they're going, Okay, the kingdom of God is way bigger than just some invitation to go to heaven. (laughs) Ah. I'm only saying all this because I'm going to leave you with this final thought. Notice what Jesus says. And it's, and this is a piggyback of what we talked about yesterday in our Bible study. Jesus says, as it was prophesied in Matthew chapter 13, he says, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. These are the secrets, what we call the mysteries of God the mysteries of the kingdom. And yet Jesus is intentionally speaking in parables because he's speaking in mysteries. He's saying things that they will never get and never understand. The purpose of parables was actually to hide and to conceal, (laughs) not to reveal. I know people say, well, the parable is meant to reveal. The parables weren't meant to reveal. They were actually meant to conceal. So he's teaching the crowd and then he would explain it to the group. He would say it to the crowd and then explain it to the group. Why would he do that? Because there will be some in the crowd who catch it. And the ones in the crowd who catch it, they're the ones who come and show up. Jesus is very strategic. (laughs) Because the ones who catch it are the ones who have been inspired by the spirit of God. If you came to faith in Jesus, you grew up in the church and you feel compelled, and this is just my final thought, and you feel compelled saying, God, I know you got more. Like, I I know you've got more, but this church thing doesn't seem like the thing. There are folks who grew up in church who are here right now. I grew up in church, but I knew something wasn't right. I I get it. (laughs) Something wasn't adding up. It just wasn't connecting for me. It just didn't make sense. Why, Why do we do things like this? Why do we do things like that? Why are we so fixated on X, Y, and Z? There's some folks who know exactly what I'm talking about, but you're here right now and you're watching this. And there's a part of you that's saying, Man, I was I was done with this Jesus thing, but now I'm stuck here listening to this random dude on TikTok or on Instagram or on Discord or on YouTube, wherever it is, on one of these platforms. Man, it's just and I, I'm talking to him and I'm going and I'm sitting there going, hold on. I thought I was done with this. I thought I was over this. And I'm sitting here and I'm stuck because there are things that I did experience that make me go, there's got to be a God. Like this guy, I know there's a God. I've seen enough to know there's a God. I know some folks right now who will say, I've seen enough to know there's a God. But I grew up in environments 
that didn't align with the God that I was experiencing. And so I walked away from those environments, those churches. And now I can say that I'm far from God. But even though I'm far from God, I still know that he's there. If that's you today, I came to tell you there's freedom for you. Rather than coming to religion, maybe that is what God wanted you to do. He needs you to step away so that you can have an encounter with God and get to know God. You'll find community. You'll find all of that later on. But maybe you are worshiping the church. Maybe you are worshiping your pastor. Maybe you are worshiping your parents. Maybe you are believing in them. And maybe because of all of that, you find yourself in a place of crisis. Maybe it's time to just throw all those idols down. And maybe it's time for you to go, hold on a second. There's more to Jesus than maybe what I was taught. Hmm. Maybe there's more. And I just came to to tell some people that this is who Jesus is. Jesus probably wouldn't do much ministry inside of churches. Jesus would probably spend more time doing ministry at the clubs, at the street, on the street. If Jesus came today, Jesus wouldn't show up to our churches. Those people, they got it. They got it together. Jesus would go to the club. Jesus would go to the streets. Jesus would be spending time with the homeless. Jesus would be talking to those who have childlike spirits. Jesus probably wouldn't spend much time going to Washington, D.C. or the White House. Jesus would probably be on the shopping center, chilling, vibing, talking to people, revealing to people the kingdom of God, praying for people, healing people. That's, that's what Jesus would be doing. And I wonder if we'd be more like Jesus. And if that was our focus and our priority what we would be doing and where our energy, our time and our heart would be spent on. So maybe if you're not in church, maybe you're right where you need to be right now so that Jesus can have an encounter with you and you're going to find one. I believe it. You're going to find one. But for now, I'm just glad you're here. I'm just glad you're here. (laughs) Uh, God bless you guys I'm going to call that I'm glad you're here that's what I'm going to call this episode I'm just glad you're here take your time take your time this is a safe place Dearly Father we thank you Lord for the privilege that you've given us Lord as we've come together here Father we're being reminded today Lord of what it looks like for your kingdom to come Father, as we see the story of Jesus and the life of Jesus, the proclamation of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, Lord God, the fulfillment of the law, all these things that we see, Lord, transpiring, Lord, as we read through it in the book of Matthew, Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you're reminding us that, Lord, you are a God, Lord, who's not just above us, but you're a God who is with us. You're a God who dwells with us, who meets us right where we are. What a privilege that is. We give you glory and praise and honor for that. We say that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, family. Love you all. I will see you guys. If you're not on Discord, I'll see you on Wednesday. We'll continue the reading around Wednesday. If you are on Discord, I want to encourage you to join Discord. Go to... Go to um, discord.gg slash opusfrayer. We have prayers on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We're just been, we spend a short time in the morning in prayer. Um, and so join us for that time of prayer in the morning. And then, of course, on Discord as well, on Sunday nights, we have Bible study. And if you want to support us, um, click the um, click the link in the bio. There are options there for you to support us. More importantly, we're just looking for people to join our Patreon community. So please join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. We're praying that the Lord will provide for us as we continue to commit to this ministry. Um, I'll do this regardless, but I know that 
with your support, I'll be able to do more. It's your support that's going to open doors for us to create more content, to get more stuff out there. I've been really working towards how we get these books out there so we can help folks. So we can help folks. Prayers at the same time at 730. Okay, so join us at 730. Same time. I'm here every morning on seven, at 730. If you're on Discord, 730, I'm here. Um, unless I mention, hey, I'm on a trip or I'm out of town, then, you know, uh, you know that, that can happen. Actually, this week I will be out of town. I'll be, um, I'll be in Texas on um, Wednesday and Thursday. So we're gonna miss reading around on Wednesday. I just realized that. So we won't have reading around on Wednesday, but we'll have it on Friday because I'll be back on Thursday, um, uh, Thursday morning. So um, it just the time didn't work out where I could have the reading rants or to do it all while I'm out of town. So I'm flying in the morning both days, and so. Um, so I will be on tomorrow. So we'll spend time in prayer tomorrow. On Wednesday, I'll be on the flight. So I won't be able to um, um, <clears throat> to to do the reading rant with you guys. And then on on Thursday, I'm flying back at the same time. So I won't be able to do the reading rant either. However, um, um, I will be uh, I'll be back on Friday. All right. So love you guys. I will see you then. God bless you guys.